vision, of course. There's no literal great big chair out there in the universe somewhere, and God the Father is sitting on it. It's just a picture. It's a metaphor, if you will, to help us understand something about God. What does a throne help us to understand about God? Well, a throne indicates sovereignty, the one who rules, the one with authority and power, the one who is king. Kings sit on thrones. He's not sitting on a beach chair. He's not sitting in a recliner. recliner. He's not lying down in a hammock. He is the eternal sovereign seated on the throne of the universe, and he is still right there. Yes, it's a weird time for the planet, but it's not a weird time in heaven. It's exactly like it's always been in heaven, and God, our God, is sitting on the throne. What's he doing while he's there? Well, here's another verse from Ephesians chapter 1 that answers that question. It says, we are predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things. Let me slow down and emphasize those words again. The purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel, the eternal counsel of his will. So God is still on the throne He is still the sovereign ruler, and what's he doing right now as sovereign ruler? He is working all things, and we could add from elsewhere in Scripture, we know this, he's working them for our good, for the good of those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's good to remember that in these times, this outbreak, this virus, all the economic worries and fears that might go on in your heart, you still have a sovereign king who is your heavenly Father, who loves you and is working things according to His eternal counsel and plan. This whole COVID thing took us by total surprise. It didn't take Him by surprise. It's right on schedule, just as He knew it would be, as He put it in the books before time began, and He is still our sovereign. So that's the first thing I want to emphasize to you today. God is still on the throne. Here's the second one. All of his, all of God's amazing attributes are still intact. He hasn't changed one bit. In fact, he never has changed, and he never will change, and he cannot change. All this stuff swirling, seemingly changing on our planet, and all this talk about how life as we know it is going to change, I want you to know, He's the God who does not change. Look with me at Malachi 3 and verse 6. He says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Meaning I don't change in my mercy. I don't change in my forgiveness. I don't change in my compassion. But generally, I, the Lord, do not change. Now, God is totally unique in this. Everything else changes, right? Right now, your, your 403B probably changed, or your 401K or whatever. You, that probably just went boom. Um, health changes. Uh, we can't meet as a church together. That's a change. Just everything changes all the time. I change, you change, he, she, it changes. God is the God who cannot change. Do you know what the theological term for that is? Kind of one of the big words that scholarly people like it's his immutability he is immutable you can remember it easily because it's related to the word from biology from high school biology remember you learned about mutations 
this little kind of animal can mutate and change a little bit and his ears get a little bit bigger or whatever. Uh, there are mutations within kinds. There are mutations within species. That's a mutation. God is not mutationable. He is immutable. He never changes. He cannot change. What does Scripture say? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. There are actually only a few things that God cannot do. And one of them is he cannot change. James emphasizes this in chapter 1 and verse 17 of his book. Let me read it for you. James says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Just pause there. Are you enjoying anything? Is there anything good in your life? Do you have any good gifts? They came from God. Give him the thanks. Don't get all proud about what you have and somebody else doesn't have. You have it because God gave it to you. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Now that is a very unique description of God in the Bible. It doesn't appear elsewhere. James calls him the Father of lights, and I think you know what that means. He's the God who created and who rules over all of the heavenly orbs. They're the lights. So the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, they had cosmology back in their day. And they observed that those things changed. The moon changes. The sun comes up over here. It goes down over there. Stars change in how bright they seem to twinkle brighter and then not as bright. Uh, some things that they thought were stars but are planets were moving across the sky. So they knew that there's a lot of change up there. But every good gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Our God who is sitting on the throne is immutable. He does not change. There is no variation in him. So we have pundits on the planet saying, everything's changing in life as we know it's going to be completely different. God hasn't changed. And he is the most essential may I say, the most fundamental thing about life on the planet. And all of his divine attributes, that's what we're talking about, all of his amazing attributes are still intact. So, for example, is, is God still good? Yeah, he never changes. He's always good. Is God still all-powerful? He never changes. He's always all-powerful. He's all-powerful right now. He is good and he is all-powerful. Is he wise? He's still wise right now. In fact, there's a little debate, and I think it's both and, uh, is God's immutability, his unchangeableness, one of his attributes, or is it what he is in all of his attributes? He is immutable in his goodness. He is immutable in his power. He is immutable in his wisdom. They never change. It's kind of strange. God never learned anything. He can't, because he, he always knew everything. And when COVID hit the planet, he didn't go, why didn't I see that coming? No, he knew it was coming. He knew it was coming before he created the earth. So all of his attributes, his goodness, his power, his omniscience, they're all absolutely intact. And why am I saying this? Just to encourage you, just hang on to those things. Hang on to the things you know about God. He's the sovereign on the throne, and he changes not, and he loves you and cares for you. Here's the third one for today. Let me review the last one. All of God's amazing attributes are still intact. Here's the next one. The worst problem on the planet is still people dying without Christ. Would you grant me that? 
all right, like, yeah, we definitely have a problem on the planet right now. It's got all of our attention. There's disease and there's economic, what, what term should I choose? What should I call it? Disaster. <laughs> it's, it's just awful. Uh, what's going to happen? Nobody knows. We've never done this before. Um, all the experts and all the scholars can't even agree. Is this better? Is that better? Uh, it's, it's just a terrible mess on the planet. But you know what? Up there in heaven, um, from that heavenly vantage point, the worst problem on the planet is still people dying without Christ. Dying in their sin. Dying in brokenness. There is a pandemic of sin and separation from a holy God. And the worst thing on the planet right now is people without Christ, and they're dying every two seconds. 1,001, 1,002, somebody died. 1,001, 1,002, somebody died. 1,001, 1,002, somebody died. And many of them are dying without Jesus Christ. And here's what the Bible says about that. Hebrews 9 and verse 27 says, It is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. It is appointed. You have an appointment. You have an appointment. Every one of us has the same appointment. We have an appointment with death, unless we're still alive when Jesus comes back to take us unto himself. But it's appointed for man, normal circumstances, to die once. You only get to do it once. You don't get to take a practice run. Let me just try this dying thing and see if I got it right. No, no, you only get to die once, and then you're going to be in the presence of God And then comes judgment, and you're found either in Christ or not in Christ. And God gives us time on the planet and time to live and breathe in order to find our way to Him through Jesus Christ so that we can stand in Christ at the last day. There's a great old saying, and I don't know who first said it, and I didn't try to trace it back, but some preachers have used this before, and I heard it when I was kind of young. If you're born once, you die twice. But if you're born twice you die once. If you're born once, just from your mother's womb, in your natural state, in your fallenness and brokenness and sinfulness, you'll die twice. You'll die physically, and following that, you'll die spiritually. The Bible calls it the second death. That's the one where Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. You go to the other place. But if you're born twice, once from your mother's womb and once by the Spirit of God so that you become a new creature in Christ Jesus, then you only die once physically, and it'll place you into eternal life. So I kind of like that one. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. It's really cool. I have an audience of four over here, and they're nodding and trying to encourage me. Thank you, team. All right, so let's review that one. The worst problem on the planet is still people dying without Christ. And let me just take that a step further now and say, and the most awful words ever are still the most awful words ever. And what are those awful words? They're uttered by Jesus. He's telling us what he's going to say to some people at Judgment Day, in the last day. And we read in Matthew 7, 23, words of Jesus, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. By the way, that doesn't mean that there's like a glitch in the omniscience of Jesus. 
The word know has more meaning in Hebrew than know in English. Know means I never became on intimate terms with you. It's like back in the Old Testament, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore a son. Does that mean when he figured out, oh, there's that woman, she's Eve, boom, now she's going to have a baby. No, no, no. It's a term of intimacy. And Jesus is saying, you never came to me through my shed blood. We never came on intimate terms with one another. And I'll declare to them, I never knew you. And then here are the most awful words that I've ever heard. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The most awful words on the planet are not, your investments just tanked. The most awful words on the planet are not, there's a virus. And uh, I think, for example, people you know, my sister we think had it and barely survived. But the most awful words on the planet, the most awful words in all of human history are not somebody got sick or even somebody died. The worst words are, depart. I never knew you. That's why we want to keep on preaching the gospel. That's why we want to keep praying for friends. That's why we want to lead people to Christ so they'll never hear those awful words except for reading them from their Bible. Let me move on. The most awful words ever are still the most awful words ever. That's what we just covered. Now next. It's a breath of fresh air. And the gospel is still the best news on the planet. Amen? Amen? I heard some amens out there. Got the amen corner over here. Guys back in the sound booth. Hi, guys. Two of them back there. They're smiling. They said amen. Thank you. The gospel is still the best news on the planet. The gospel is the best words you could ever hear. The gospel tells you how a sinner like you or me can be right with a holy God. It's good news. That's what gospel means. Now, the earth could use some good news right now. Wouldn't it be good news if they came out and said, ah, we just found the cure. It's cheap. It's everywhere. All you have to do is go outside and look at clouds and blink blink three times. I just made that up. Just anything dumb. Eat eat a blade of grass and you'll be cured. Well, then people live in Manhattan and there's no grass. It's got to be something accessible to all. I should have thought ahead. Anyway, what if they said, we have the cure. It's cheap. It's accessible. Everybody can have it. That'd be good news. Oh, what if they said, and the economy is back up and roaring and better than it was before? That would be good news. But those news are nothing compared to you can be right with a holy God by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. That is still the best news on the planet. Here's what Jesus said about it. Luke 4, verse 18. He's standing in a synagogue and he he, he's reading from the Old Testament, and he claims it's right, written of him. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. Planet Earth, there is good news. The good news is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And it's still the best news on the planet. That's why the Apostle Paul says, let's look at Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is the best news on the planet, and it is the power of God to give every sinner exactly what they most need, a cleansed heart, a soul ready to stand in his presence and hear the good words enter into the joy of your Lord. So the gospel is still the best news on the planet, And here's the next point. 
The church of Jesus Christ is still the hope of the world. The church of Jesus Christ is still the hope of the world. Now, there are other legitimate hopes on the planet. So, you know, obviously, I'm going to be a little repetitive here. Um, Right now, what's one of our hopes? We hope somebody finds a cure. We hope this whole thing just blows over. We hope it just dies out. We hope it goes away. We never. We hope another thing like this never happens. Though, chances are it might, huh? We hope our economy is going to come back, and the world economy is going to come back. We hope it doesn't. Countries don't get desperate, and that could even lead to tensions, and that could even lead to wars. And there are serious weapons on the planet, and you can imagine all kinds of crazy scenarios. And now I'm not comforting you. I'm stirring you up like the spectacular news and scaring you. But there are legitimate hopes. Let's, let's hope people can be helped. Let's hope lives can be saved. Let's hope uh, people who are to be commended, people who are nurses, people who are doctors, people who are hospital staff, who are on the very front lines of this whole thing. One of my sons is a nurse, University Hospital. His wife is a nurse, University Hospital. They are on the very front lines. They are going in and out of rooms with people who are very ill with this disease right now. Uh, they're heroes. All such people on the planet are heroes right now, and there's a lot of them. But the real hope of the world is the church of Jesus Christ. Because the church of Jesus Christ has the Bible, the Word of God, and the church of Jesus Christ has the gospel, and the church of Jesus Christ is left on the planet to dispense the best news to help sinners get away from the worst words. The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says, I will build my church. So our Lord Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, died a sin-bearing death, rose a victorious arising, ascended powerfully to the right hand of the Father, rules there now with all authority given unto him in heaven and on earth. What is he doing there? Would you agree with me that whatever Jesus Christ is doing must be very, very important? It must be the most important thing that could possibly be done. He's not up in heaven wasting his time. I don't think he's playing video games right now. Sorry, it's all right if you watch some video games sometimes, but read your Bible more. But uh, would you agree with me, whatever Jesus Christ is doing on his throne is the most important thing there is to do? And he says, here's what I'm going to do when I'm there. I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church. The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. I ran into a guy on the web this week. His name is Daniel Schmachtenberger. Daniel Schmachtenberger. Look him up. He's brilliant. And what he wants to do is uh, get us past a game theory world where it's Uh, zero sum, if I win, you lose, if you win, I lose, and so we're fighting and we're rivalrous. And he's trying to figure out with other thinkers, he's a futurist and a thinker, how to get us to a post-game theoretic world where it's win-win. If you do this, it'll be good for you and it'll be good for me, so we both have incentive to share it and to to make it better and better. And I'm, I'm listening to him, and he is absolutely stunningly brilliant. I listened to three hours of him this week. And that was one, one podcast, three, over three hours. And I left it thinking, good luck, man. Good luck. I, I, I applaud your effort. But do you know what you're up against? 
You're up against sinful, fallen, twisted human nature. What you need is a change of human nature. How are you going to change human nature? I know how you can change human nature. The gospel. And the church of Jesus Christ has the gospel, and that's why it is still the hope of the world. Jesus is building his church. Listen to how Peter talks about the importance of the church on the planet. 1 Peter 2.5. He says, You yourselves, Christ followers, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are like living stones. Now, Debbie and I like to ride up in North Harford County. It's farmland up there. It's beautiful. And there are many, many old stone buildings, stone foundations with a stick barn built on top of it, stone houses, stone spring houses. And stone is just gorgeous. Don't you love stone? So, um, I'm picturing one of those old stone houses, some of them built in the 1700s and still standing, and every stone, just picture that as it's alive. And this stone over here, and this stone over here, and they're vibing, and they're alive, and they're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Jesus Christ is doing is he is building a spiritual house. Now, I want you to know this is direct Old Testament terminology as it was used of Israel, and Peter is saying the church is that in this day. You are living stones. You're built up as a spiritual house. You're a holy priesthood. You offer up spiritual sacrifices. They're acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Old Testament language applied directly to the church of Jesus Christ. The church is a building made of living stones. By the way, that that helps us in a time of COVID when we can't all be together here. You know, the church is not, it's not this building. In fact, you should see, I'm tempted to ask them, can they turn a camera, but I won't. That'd be a mess. You should see this room right now. It looks like a bomb went off in here because we're doing construction. It looks like a war zone. There's boxes and junk laying everywhere. It's just crazy. It looks great to you. All you're seeing is that. It's really a mess in here. We'll fix it up before you get back, Lord willing. We might ask some of you to volunteer and help us fix it up before you get back. We'll see about that. But, um, man, uh, how did I even get into that? The church of Jesus Christ is still the hope of the world. Uh, This is not the church. You are the church. You are the living stones. So, I don't know, there are other agencies on the planet that are pretty cool. Like, I think Tesla's pretty cool. You like Tesla? Anybody like Tesla? Yeah? I think SpaceX is pretty cool. Anybody like SpaceX? I think that's pretty awesome. I think Volkswagen's pretty cool. Have you looked at their, um, their electric vehicles that they're designing? They are gorgeous and way cheaper than a Tesla. There are some pretty cool things on the planet. There's Amazon. That's pretty cool. Jeff Bezos thinks it's pretty cool. There's Facebook. And then there's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bing! The others don't even compare. They are weightless. The church of Jesus Christ is still the hope of the world. Now let's go on to the one that I want most, the one that I'm glad I have time for, the one I want you to hear the most, the one I hope you will pay attention to the most, and it is this. The Word of God is still more important than the daily news. Amen? Nobody in this room was even nodding this time. Nobody in the room was even amening until I asked for it. 
Anybody watching daily news? Yeah, we're watching daily news. Or I get my news from people I follow on Twitter. That's my news source. And it might lead to an article or it might lead to a podcast, but I get my news from people I know and trust on Twitter. There's a lot of news going on right now. And you know, don't you? No, I shouldn't get into this. I'll get into it a little. It's just a business for profit. Their job is to gain and hold your attention for as long as they can. Some of the best businesses to have on the planet are businesses that, uh, that get you hooked, that get you addicted, because then they don't get your business once, that you're a repeat customer for the rest of your life, and you'll bring other addicts in with you. That's why um, you know, tobacco is a good business. That's why alcohol is a good business. It's all, that's why they're still allowing alcohol sales in this time, by the way, because there are a lot of people who are absolutely addicted to that, and society's going to go crazy if they can't have that. We don't need them in hospital rooms right now. Right now. now, I'm getting into too much political pundit here, aren't I? Tell me, yes, Jason. Uh, Jenny says yes. All right. But uh, there's a lot of news. Your Bible is still more important than the daily news. Listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew 4, 4. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And you can take out the phrase by bread alone and put in anything else you want including the news. I'm going to put the news in there. It is written, man shall not live by the daily news, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What do you live by? What do you feed yourself on? What do you really need in these days? News, 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 news. All generated to be spectacular, to addict you to it, to get your attention and keep you there as long as possible so ratings go up and more cash comes in. That's what that's about. And then you have your Bible. It's about nourishing your never-dying soul. It's about making you strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about lifting you up in a time of national, international upheaval. Listen to what a psalmist said about the Bible, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It tells me where to go. And a light to my path. It shows me the right way. Your word. It doesn't say the news is a lamp to my feet. No, it's your word is a lamp to my feet. Somebody I was reading this, this week, I'm going to read him. I'm going to read you his quote. Because if I say this, you'll think I'm being mean to you. So I'm just passing on what someone else said that impressed me. All right? Does that make it better? He said, from an intellectual standpoint, and pardon me, from an intellectual and spiritual standpoint, the daily news is the mental and spiritual equivalent of junk food. So what he's saying is, most of the time when you're watching news, you're eating potato chips. Most of the time when you're doing news, you're eating cream puffs. It's all right to have potato chips once in a while. It's okay to have a cream puff once in a while, but you don't need a daily diet of them. You don't need to you know, be munching on them all the time. But you'll do well to hide God's Word in your heart so that you might not sin against Him. You'll do well because the Word of God is still more important than the daily news. Well, I have time. I'm going to go on to another point. By the way, I realized I can really preach as long as I want, 
because you can just turn it off. You're at home. <laughs> um, but you want to stay here because we're going to have communion together in just a little bit. Pastor Stan's going to lead us after that and some other things as well. So hang tight with me, please. I'm just going to go a little longer here. Um, I do have a timer, and I can, I can keep an eye on what's going on. Not only is the Word of God still more important than the daily news, but here's the next point. The worst that can happen is still the best that can happen. The worst that can happen is still the best that can happen if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So here we are in this COVID crisis. What's the worst thing that could happen to you? Well, you'd get it and you'd die. All right, if you're a believer, um, what does that mean? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, how do you reckon on that? How do you reckon that up? Well, Paul answers in Philippians 1.21, and he says, oh, here's how to view that. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is, say it with me, everybody, gain. He's got a profit column, and he's got a loss column. Where, which column do I put dying into? And he says, oh, that's clear. That's a profit column. It ushers you into the presence of your Savior. It is but an entrance into glory, an old hymn says. Uh, death takes away from you everything that is awful and brings to you everything that is wonderful and eternally does so. That's why it's called glory. It's glory. Glory. So the worst thing that can happen is still the best thing that can happen. Uh, I would die, and I'd be in the presence of God. That's why we read in Hebrews 2.15, He, Jesus, Likewise, partook of flesh, he became a human, that through death he might deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Oh, I've been terrified of death, I've been terrified of death, I've been terrified of death, I've been terrified of death. Now I believe in the Lord Jesus. Oh, death just moved over to the gain column. And now it will be my entrance into glory. So hey, the worst thing that could possibly happen to you right now is the best thing. It'll put you in heaven with Jesus. And that's why Paul writes, 1 Corinthians 15, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The worst thing that can happen is still the best thing that can happen. I have one final point. Hey, I made it through all of them, but I might come back with some more in two weeks. Here's the last point I want to make. Cornerstone Community Church is still bringing in and building up. Just wanted you to know that. We're not on vacation. God's on his throne, not in a hammock. We're not in hammocks either. We're still working. We're getting stuff done. I'm pretty excited about a lot of things we're getting done. Like, you should see this room. Why is it all torn up? Because we're getting some things, some really cool things done. Uh, so we're, we're, still, uh, we're still at it. We're not drifting. We're not coasting. We're a little hindered. But you have to adapt, right? They say the victory goes to the strong. No, that's been overruled. It's now victory goes to those who can adapt, you have to adapt to changing situations. And I want to share with you, while we're thinking about how we are still the church of Jesus Christ, and we are still bringing in and building up and glorifying our Savior, here's a verse that's been in my mind, I, I mean this, very, very, very much, probably almost daily, this entire time since uh, the COVID crisis broke loose. It's in First Chronicles 12. Let me give you a little background. You can go ahead and show it. That's fine. Uh, the entire chapter is a bunch of big names. Like if you ever have to read that chapter, like you're in a Bible study and they say, okay, Steve, would you read the next? And, and it's like all these big names. 
Here's two choices. One, just pronounce them however you want with authority because they don't know how to pronounce it either and they'll assume you're right. Or I heard Chuck Swindoll do this once in a sermon. He had to read through a passage like that and he just went, and, so, and, and after that, big name was talking to big name and they went over to the house of big name and every time there was a name, he just said big name. So it's a whole chapter full of big names, guys who were warriors and who the warriors that they had were, how many swords and shields they had and all that. And then you get all the way down to verse 32 of that, and it says, then there's this man named Issachar, and of the, of the tribe of Issachar, of the people of Issachar, they were men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Men who had understanding of the times to know what the people of God ought to do. And this whole time, that verse keeps rattling around in my head, and I'm thinking, man, I want to be one of those men. I want our pastors to be those men. I want our staff to be those men and women. I want people who are in ministry positions here to be those men and women. We need to be those men and women who recognize what, what are the problems we can help with in this time, but also what are the unique opportunities that we can take advantage of to bring the gospel further forward and into more lives. Men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to to do. And there's another verse I want to share with you while we're thinking about Cornerstone Community Churches still bringing in and building up. It's a verse that's been in my mind almost as much. It's from Ephesians 5. It says, look carefully then how you walk. I'll just share with you. I can't ever read that verse without a picture in my head. And it's a dumb picture, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruin the verse for you too from here on out. So imagine you have three big dogs and they go out in the backyard and do that bad thing, you know, and now you're out there walking barefoot and the grass is tall and you can't see where things are. You walk carefully. That's the picture. I'm sorry. That's the picture I always have. It's, it's like walking barefoot in a yard where the dogs have been. Look carefully how you walk on this planet. There are bad things you might step in and you don't want to step in them. So be very careful where you go and what you do and how you walk. You're like barefoot in the tall grass, and there's bad stuff. So look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Okay, well, what do I do if I'm going to be wise? Here's what you do. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Making the best use of the time is walking carefully. Making the best use of the time is being wise and not unwise. How long is it going to be before we can all come back together as a church? Nobody knows. I keep having guesses and then realize, no, that one was wrong. And then I make another guess. No, that one was wrong. And I'm, I quit guessing. Who knows? God knows. He's still on his throne and none of his attributes have changed. And he is all wise. So we don't know how long it's going to be, but we don't want to just coast and do nothing between now and then. We want to do ministry. We want to preach the gospel. We want to lead people to Christ. We want to uh, build up the, the brothers and sisters that we have in Christ. So Cornerstone still bringing in and building up. Rob, show us the last slide, would you please? It has one word on it, still. So my advice to you, don't listen to the pundits, the sensationalists. Life on the planet is going to be irrevocably changed. No, air will still be air and you'll breathe it. Food will still be food and you'll eat it. And the King of kings and Lord of lords is still on his throne and you need him. 
Let me speak to some of you just directly here. Some of you are listening with us, and you're not followers of Jesus Christ. I can't think of a better time on this planet than right now to get real serious about your eternity and to get real serious about your relationship to the living God. And the good news is, as I mentioned earlier in this sermon, salvation is by grace alone. That means it's free. You don't earn it, and you don't deserve it. It's by grace alone through faith alone. You don't have to do certain works and deeds to be good enough. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Not Christ plus getting baptized. Not Christ plus joining a church. Those things have their place, but they don't bring you salvation. What you need is the Savior who is ready to receive you. He invites you. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your soul and eternal rest in heaven with him. Join me Wednesday night at 6.30 for Cornerstone Midweek. Been great being here. I'm going to pray. Then No, then I'm going to lead us in communion. Okay, pray with me, please. Father in heaven, thank you that we are able to come here in this, in this time of worship. Many of us gathered in our homes and maybe our little ones sitting with us. Um, the eight of us who are in this building, thank you that we are able to do this. We, we look up to you and pray that this may be a time of salvation for some who are listening in with us, for some who have worshiped with us. Lord, would you put it into hearts to look to you now and to say, Lord Jesus, would you be my Savior? I've been a terrible sinner, and I've ignored you for a long time. But would you still be willing to have a sinner like me Lord Jesus, I don't have anything to offer. I'm coming with empty hands. I just want to receive your grace. I want to be one of your followers and one of your children. Have mercy upon me, Lord. Forgive me for my trespasses, my sins, the idols I've loved and followed and worshipped. Make me a new creature in Christ. Please give me that second birth, the birth by your Holy Spirit. And Father, Many believers are with us today. Would you strengthen them? Would you uphold them? Would you lift up their hearts? Would you fill them with your Holy Spirit? And may we grow in the Lord Jesus Christ in these strange days and times. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.